Welcome to the Bright Side Home Theater Podcast, a home theater podcast that's all about the experiences, the sights, the sounds, the scenes. And this week, this is our show 299, the countdown to 300. And I'd been planning this one uh, for quite a while. Um, what we're going to get into, uh, we're going to cut away from DJ in 2023, and you're going to hear the very first episode. It's actually called the second episode, I believe, because I had a coming attractions one um, when I first started, just to let everybody know, let everybody, I didn't have any listeners. So, but just to get a, a quick one out there. Uh, so I did a coming attractions, but this was the first ever podcast that I did by myself. Um, and I'm, I'm not editing this. I'm not, I'm not uh, doctoring the audio. I'm not doing anything. Um, cause I want everybody to hear how far we've come. You know, uh, we've learned a lot. Uh, John and I learned a lot doing Brightside Chat. Uh, so we did that for a year before I went off on my own and started home theater. And, um, just how much I've learned since then being able to talk and not have to edit it after the fact, uh, you probably can't, I, I don't know, see if you can pick it up, but I know I remember doing this podcast and it's like, I'd think for something, I'd go to say something and I'd stop and think, and then be like, and then I'd have to go back through and edit everything out, all the gaps. So I probably recorded for two hours, maybe more. And then edited out all the gaps where I was thinking of what I wanted to say. Um, so you'll get to hear that. You'll hear the awful audio quality. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it was fun and it was, I'm, you know, just like our home theaters, you don't start off doing everything right and doing everything the, and the best and, you know, it's a work in progress. And this podcast is just like our theaters. It's always under construction. It's always being worked on and tweaked and having, you know, that's, that's part of the fun. So, um, thank you everybody for, for listening along for all, you know, this many years, uh, what started in 2019, this podcast came out, uh, the first week of November in 2019 and um been building ever since so coming up on what's that four years it'll be in november but now we're at 300 podcast you know 300 podcasts later this afternoon with steve and john and um but yeah but thank you to all of you guys the listeners um it, it you know when I used to have to sit down here by myself and, and just talk like I am right now. And, and it was tough. There were times when it was like, I couldn't do it because I wasn't in the mood. Um, but you guys are the ones that drove me to be like, all right, you got to get, you know, got to get something done before Friday. And, uh, cause some days you just don't feel so chipper or something and you got to sit down and come off as like, Hey, what? And that's, that's kind of how I come up with, Hey, home theater nerds. And my wife had a joke about it. She called it my, uh, um, my mask and putting on my makeup because you know you gotta put on your makeup to express yourself to everybody so it's like hey home theater nerds and uh that's that's where that came from it's to get me going and jazzed up and I, i'm pretty happy 
jazzy person in person anyways but uh you need to you need to do a little bit more if you're going to send it out and especially talk by yourself for an hour uh so yeah let's get to that and uh, i'll uh you know enjoy it and let you enjoy that and if as much as you can quote unquote enjoy it and then i'll be back at the end to uh wrap it up so let's go to it open and everything all of that and a guest host the bright side home theater podcast is a spoiler podcast the opinions and reviews are solely those of the bright side home theater podcast this show is a proud member of the nerdy legion podcast network Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. All right. Before we get to the open for the show, I wanted to make a special thank you to Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions for the open that you're about to hear. They're producing the music for Brightside Home Theater. Really excited for this. Here it comes. This is Brightside. <laughs> It's Friday, Home Theater Nerds. Time for the second edition of Brightside Home Theater. Today we'll be talking about Star Wars. As I said last week, this movie means a lot to me, so we'll get into that. But I really wanted to bring a little bit of news to the beginning of the podcast. Keep everybody up to date on what's coming out on discs, what we have to look forward to. So to do that, I reached out to a friend of mine on Twitter, Justin from HighDefDiscNews.com, and he runs a Twitter page. You can find him at HighDefDiscNews as well. Very comprehensive, lot of information. Great to follow him if you're trying to keep up on what's coming out, when it's coming out, and what features it's going to have. I think he's going to be a great compliment to the podcast. We've had some great conversations. So before we go any further, let's do that. Let's get into the news. Hey, Justin, buddy. How we doing? All right. Been fine. Good. What do we got? What's new this week? Uh, the biggest announcement, and I'm in, it really seems to caught a lot of people's attention, would have to be Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is coming to 4K and Blu-ray. And it's not coming to the format, those two formats in just any way. It's coming out in six different releases. That's pretty interesting. So the six different releases, are they six different versions of the movie or visit? Packaging and giving you a uh, option of uh, two different, well, actually three different 4K versions. The standard 4K, uh, there's a still book that's exclusive at Best Buy, going to be available, that has some exclusive artwork and all that. And then there's more lavish collector's edition that actually comes with a 7-inch 45 RPM vinyl uh, of some of Rick Dalton's music character from the movie. So it's got that in it. It's got a reproduction man magazine that's specifically themed to the 69 era of the film and all that, and a reproduction uh, uh, poster. And it's pretty nice packaging and all that, and pretty decently priced. So... That one seems to be selling incredibly well, to be honest with you, on Amazon. That's the one that started at, what, 75 and is down to like 50-something? Yeah. It's dropped to 75.99 to 56.99 or something like that. That's when I yeah. jumped in. <laughs> yeah, it, it 
it it really uh you and I were talking about that price, what that would be, speculating before I even knew. Yeah. When I was going over that uh news and I expected it was gonna be pretty expensive, but I think it's selling so well that it's it's gonna probably remain in that price. I wouldn't look at it to remain that price forever because that's gotta be a limited edition if they're making those seven inch RPM or forty five RPMs are finals. They're not gonna keep manufacturing those forever, uh to keep putting in that. That's it probably should have been noted that it was a limited edition as well as a collector's edition, I guess. I imagine that's probably why it's selling as well too. The fact that people probably know that's not going to be a, a version of the film that's going to be around forever. Right. Uh, it's a little bit more rare than that steelbook's going to be in that sense. Yeah. Other than that, this week the news is uh, involved uh, another film that was just in theaters and announced. Uh, you have the sequel for uh, the Rambo films. Rambo Last Blood. Yep. That's going to be coming out in December. That's getting a 4K and a Blu-ray. Should be no surprise to anybody that knows Stallone's movies that it's going to get a 4K. Uh, I don't know if it's Sly himself that's in the home theater. I think it is, to be honest with you. That's just speculation, but it seems as all the Expendables movies and all that stuff and then the Rambo movies and all that and that treatment that his stuff seems to get a lot of 4K, you know? I think that's also his fan base, too. Those action movies tend to... That is definitely true. ...draw that crowd, you know? Like, I know I like action movies, and I want that action movie to, like, play in my theater. So I love the way they play that up, even just in the making of their movies, with the surround sound they use and the the way they use all the speakers in the room. Yeah, and it should be no surprise to anybody at all that that's going to get... First of all, it's going to get... You know, sound-wise, it's going to get Dolby Atmos. You know, Stallone was one of the first films that he was in, being those Expendables films, were some of the first DTSX, I believe, releases, or Atmos, one of the two. Yeah. Um, they were really ahead of their time on Blu-ray. They were early adopters to, to the home yeah. Atmos. Yeah. So it should be no surprise to anybody that any of the immersive sound format stuff is going to be there for that release, but it's also going to have Dolby Vision and HDR10 variety of uh, video. Oh, so. cool. And it's also going to have a 4K Steelbook exclusive at Best Buy, so that's got a little different artwork than the standard edition on 4K. And that, you know, should be obvious with these releases, both of those are getting Blu-ray disc treatment as well. I hate to leave them out like they're the the poor child that doesn't, get, that doesn't get attention here anymore because Blu-ray disc is still alive and well. Uh, but, you know, getting to that, I would have to say in terms of Blu-ray disc news on that note, it's interesting news that, you know, that the uh, Beverly Hills Cop trilogy is going to get a 4K restoration Blu-ray release, which is interesting because of, the two sequels have never received stateside releases on Blu-ray, so they're making their debut in that sense. But it's got people kind of like question why there's not a 4K, you know, coming with that. Hmm. Like money grab, maybe uh, they'll release it later. Sometimes they do that to make up, honestly, with the actual fact that it takes them so much time to actually get the restoration done, and, and you know, time equals money. 
they they do that. You know, I I will not be in the shyest bit of telling you as somebody that gets along well with Paramount that Paramount last year, I believe it was last year with It's a Wonderful Life when they did the streaming version of it in 4K was testing the waters one. And they were doing what I was talking about as well. They were trying to probably make back money in some way on the restoration effort that it took. And if you watch the, you know, the featurette that was with it in the 4K digital release and now in this release, they talk about that restoration, how much effort was put into it. So I think that's how they justified doing the restorations these days, you know, kind of like, uh, a little bit of info that, you know, Pepsi was the reason that uh, E.T. was the first very affordable VHS tape because of sponsorship or right. something. you got to have something to try to, to justify that in some ways, I would imagine. So you're, you're going to see stuff get a Blu-ray-only release that has a 4K restoration. A lot of people ask me that constantly when I'm doing reviews for movies that only get a 4K restoration. Why didn't it get a 4K UHD Blu-ray? And, you know, there's a lot of different answers to that. In some case scenarios, it's those answers. So <laughs> that's about all I've got for that in regards to news. All right. So what do we got coming out next Tuesday? All right. On November 5th, you're going to be getting quite a bit of 4K releases. And Nice. I mean, quite a bit. They're going to be catalog. They're going to be theatrical releases as well. It's kind of a Mostly looks like theatrical releases are going to get just a few, but it's going to be mostly catalog stuff here. So be ready for that. In terms of new theatrical releases are just now getting their tape used and they're going to come to 4K. You're going to have Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw and that's going to come to 4K with a still book exclusive to Best Buy on 4K as well, as well as its counterpart on Blu-ray, obviously. Uh, anything here I mentioned that's 4K should get a Blu-ray counterpart, unless there's an exception, and I'll mention that. So you're going to get that as a new title. Um, you're also going to get Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That's going to get a Best Buy exclusive still book as well, and we'll get a Blu-ray treatment at uh, on the other end as well. In terms of new movies, that's the end of new movies there on 4K. Catalog-wise, you're going to get a individual treatment release of the three films from uh, director Edgar Wright with the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy that was just recently released in September. You're going to see those films come out individually. Uh, those films include... Uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. They were previously available, like I said, in September, but they're going to get individual releases. And there's going to be more catalog titles if that wasn't enough. Disney's going to hit everybody in the wallet even harder <laughs> here. They're good at that. <laughs> They've been good at that for, oh my God, for like the past five weeks in a row on the 4K format. They have been killing it with, uh, you know... Since everything for the, the uh, Avengers movie ended, yeah. you know, with that, it's just been going and going. They have really been killing it. So on that note, Disney has decided to go to their modern animation catalog titles. And, you know, they probably make for better stuff to try to transition over to 4K. 
And you got some titles like Big Hero 6. I should say this for all of these. They're going to get Best Buy exclusive steelbooks for every one of these. You got Big Hero 6, Moana, Tangled, which seems to be kind of a favorite with some people. Uh, I don't really care for that movie personally much myself, but that seems to be a pretty popular, older, older by probably 10 years title. You got The Princess and the Frog. And you've got Zootopia. Those are all Disney uh, modern releases. And you also got one more catalog title on 4K, and it's Universal Soldier, oddly enough. Uh, the original, right? Yeah, with nice. Van Damme and Longer, and you, you're going to get that from Lionsgate. And Lionsgate's been on a pretty decent record of putting out 4K catalog titles here recently. So that should be actually pretty interesting. Yeah. Now you got, you know, don't forget, you know, the Blu-ray format. There's still stuff coming out on it. You're getting a lot of stuff of like 4K restorations of stuff coming over, you know, there first or vice versa. You got to look at next week's listings of stuff that, you know, didn't get a 4K release, for example. Uh, that was, you know, big in theaters or vice versa. You got the art of racing in the rain, which that movie got a lot of critical acclaim. It's only going to get a Blu-ray. Hmm. The movie The Kitchen with Melissa McCarthy, that's going to only get a Blu-ray treatment. And, you know, there's TV shows and stuff like Yellowstone, which Paramount continues to have a pretty good success with in terms of ratings and such, that Paramount only justifies putting out you know, Blu-ray right now. That's interesting. I think The Kitchen was actually a pretty good movie that it was like, wasn't that the... um the women took over the mob. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a trio of women. Uh, yeah, like and that seems like Tiffany Haddish. And, yep. uh I forget the second. I mean, the third girl's name there, but yeah, that's one of those uh, all-girl team-ups. That's surprising. Yeah, and then you got you know, Blu-ray is always going to be a great home for stuff, the smaller old catalog movies and stuff. You know, Kino Lorber. Studio Classics can put out older movies like Naked Alibi and It Always Rains on Sunday and just older movies that more of the Turner Classic movies yeah. the crowd will like. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that that's going to come out that, you know, really is probably worth looking into. I won't go into a huge amount of detail. But there's also stuff for people that are, you know, just love the films in general that don't care if they come to 4K or Blu-ray. Uh, if you love film in general, you'll really love the fact that Memory, The Origins of Alien, which is a documentary about the movie Alien, is going to be coming out. And that movie's been getting a pretty good amount of critical acclaim. If you're a fan of the show Good Omens, that was a BBC show that most people here stateside probably saw through Amazon. You can own that on home video, but only on Blu-ray right now, so there's no 4K counterpart to that. It's also worth pointing out, fans of Galaxy Quest, there is a new 20th anniversary book of it, now available. It's been available at Best Buy for a bit. There's pretty much a, a little bit of a selection on the Blu-ray format as well. Not a whole lot. It's probably going to grab your attention like the older days, but there is still enough stuff on the blu-ray format to keep people entertained especially people that haven't jumped up in the 4k category yet yep. of home theater enthusiasts so yeah that's how it goes all right 
Is that all we got for this week? That's pretty much it. All righty. That was great. Where can we find you? You can find us on com. You can find those uh, upcoming release dates always uh, right there on the top of the site. Uh, there's a drop down on the menu. You can choose between 4K or Blu-ray. Uh, in terms of news, you can look uh, use the top of the site as well and just look down there and see what's the most recent thing published. You're probably going to see something news-related most of the time. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at High Def Disc News, and that needs to be spelled H-I-G-H instead of H-I. All right, that was great, Justin. Thanks for coming on. We can do this again next week, right? You bet, man. Awesome. Let's, let's do this every week. I love it. I love it. I'll talk to you soon. It's good fun. Thanks, Justin. All right, man. Thank you. Hey, while Justin was talking, it reminded me of something I saw earlier in the week on Twitter. Justin had mentioned how Blu-ray sales were still going on, and so I saw this statistic. So at the 4K Collective put out a tweet this week about the market share between DVD, Blu-ray, and UHD, and it's actually very interesting. I, it was shocking to me because it has DVD at 57.3% of the market and Blu-ray at 36.3% and UHD only at 6.4%. I knew UHD was going to be the lowest, but I didn't think DVD was still selling as high as 57.3%. I thought that was really interesting. I thought most of the market would have been Blu-ray and and DVD would have been down around UHD because I figured not a lot of people, I think, are buying physical media anymore. That most, most consumers are buying the downloads. It's only people like myself, if you're listening to this podcast, we're probably the only people buying the physical media because that's where you get the highest quality content. So with that in mind, I thought it was funny that people are still buying DVDs because that's the the lowest quality content. Streaming is actually better than a DVD. So I, I just thought that was really interesting. And when Justin was saying that, yes, people are still buying just Blu-rays and not Ultra HDs, I thought that I, it reminded me of this statistic. So that should do it for news this week. Let's get to our main topic. Let's get into the theater and start talking about Star Wars. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time. It's an epic of heroes. And villains. And aliens from a thousand worlds. Go that way. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you that you scrap pile. Star Wars. A billion years in the making. The Force will be with you. Always. Alright, let's get into Star Wars. Last week, I said Star Wars was the foundation of my home theater. And to this day, it is. Uh, I was seven years old when this movie came out, and it affected me the rest of my life. All the way to the point that here I am, I'm starting a podcast, talking about movies. And that all started in 1977, when my dad took me to see Star Wars. 
So as I was growing up into the 80s, I watched Star Wars over and over on HBO on my parents, you know, whatever they had. I don't know, 20 inch TV, whatever it was at the time. Even at a young age, I wanted to recreate that theater atmosphere. Watching it at home, it was fun to watch, but I wanted to watch it in a theater again. Back then, they didn't re-release these movies in the theater. You couldn't even get them on VHS at the time. The only way you got them was by seeing them on HBO. As I got into high school in the 80s, I started reading about people that had theaters in their homes. These were like rich people that would have these theaters. And I was like, oh, that that would be fun to do. So I started looking at how you could do it. And then I graduated high school in 88. And I started with a little receiver I got at Radio Shack. I had two speakers, as I said last week. And I start in that to me was better than just the speakers off of the TV. So when you have that, that's the next step after the TV. You know, that felt more movie theater like. And as I started talking to people about what I was doing, people were like, oh, did you hear about this? And if you get if you get a hi-fi VCR, as they called it, you could play surround sound. And it was Dolby Pro Logic was just coming out after Dolby Surround. All Pro Logic meant was it was logical to have a center channel speaker. So that's how I started. And I couldn't wait to watch Star Wars in my surround sound. So I slowly built a theater still in my parents' bedroom. I didn't move out until I was... 22, 23 years old. And all the while, I wanted to build a theater. I wanted that atmosphere. So once I got the idea of owning a home theater and knowing I wanted to have a home theater in my own home someday, every time I went into a home, I was looking at, I'd look at the rooms, look at the dimensions and be like, could I put a theater here? Or I go in, if I went into somebody's house and they had a basement and they took me in, I'd be like, I could put a theater over here. Everywhere I went, I wanted to put a theater in so that I could recreate that atmosphere of when I saw Star Wars. Of course, my library starts to grow in VHS, obviously mostly action movies. Die Hard is another one, but always going back to Star Wars. Every time I upgraded a piece of my system, I would watch Star Wars again to compare it. Fast forward, I get married. We're shopping for houses later on. Every house I'm looking at, of course, gotta, I have to be able to fit a home theater in there. The house I, the house that we ended up building worked out perfect. I had a spot in the basement. I could put my home theater in there. I've talked to a lot of people about how to build a home theater, where to put the speakers, where to do this, where to do that. I always wanted that theater atmosphere. When you went to the movies, what was it like? You couldn't see the speakers in the front. They were usually behind the screen. When I first went to projection, I went with the acoustically transparent screen so that I could put my speakers behind that. I have since learned and seen the difference, especially with 4K. That can compromise the picture a little bit. So I've since moved my front channels to the sides and my center channel underneath but I still want those speakers hidden. They're behind cloth. I want that atmosphere. When I watch Star Wars, I want to feel like I'm in a movie theater. When I watch any movie, I want to feel like I'm in a movie theater. 
So from 77 to today, to this podcast, George Lucas and Star Wars has influenced my life. Because of Star Wars, I became fascinated with sound in movies and how sound affected you and your emotions while watching a movie. Because of my fascination with Star Wars, I started to look more and more into this stuff through high school as I was growing up. And I'm reading stuff that George Lucas, um, what's his name, Francis Ford Coppola, they were really big into sound and how it affected them. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I do remember hearing many times, sound is 70% of the presentation. Uh, you can debate back and forth. I just know that in in my conversations, that comes up. I've seen demonstrations where it's like they can change your focus of what you're looking at on the screen just by changing the way the sound works. And it, it's really pretty cool. You don't realize how your senses are working like that, but... Your senses watching a movie, if the sound is moving around the room, and again, not to get it, I want to talk more about Star Wars, but I'm trying to uh, just give a little background on how much this affects you and how much it means. Um, but anyways, so when Star Wars came out, Lucas thought that the the sound for the movie was so important that he worked with Dolby Surround to put out the best sound that he could, to the point that he restricted theaters on getting the best sound unless they had the approved Dolby system. You could still get the movie, but you wouldn't get the 70 millimeter cut of the movie. You would just get, I think it was like a 35 millimeter cut or whatever. And you would see the movie in regular stereo and that was it. So when the movie was released, there were only like 30 something theaters, I think, at the time, if I remember right, at the time that had the Dolby approved surround systems in them, 30 in the country. After the release of Star Wars, Dolby was inundated with requests. How do we get this sound? Because the public wanted to see this movie in the Dolby surround. So the theaters were calling Dolby to get that system into their theater so that they could get the 70 millimeter cut And basically the explosion of Dolby and Dolby Surround happened because of Star Wars. Uh, you Google any of that. You'll find story after story about it. That's how I obviously I didn't Google it in the 80s, but I would read stuff in I don't know if it was Popular Mechanics or I mean, I read Popular Mechanics movies like uh, movies. Yeah. Uh, magazines like Sound Sound and Vision, whatever they were back then. I don't remember off the top of my head, but anything I could read, I think it was even in Star Wars movie magazines and stuff. But th- Lucas's love for sound is is very well known, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that. But that's how my love for this started, and then it is really... Picture has always been second to me. Uh, it's only been recently... And I'm not saying in the last few weeks because I just got a 4K projector. I'm saying like picture has always been the last thing to me because if you had a big picture, that was impressive enough. And, but if you had really good sound in a decent picture, you could, you could really get the atmosphere. So if you go to your local movie theater and they have crappy sound, you're going to know it and they're going to have a big screen. Okay. But if they have a, big screen or a smaller slightly smaller screen but the sound is unbelievable 
you're going to notice that and you're not going to walk out of there going, well, the screen could have been a little bit bigger because you're going to be blown. I think, in my opinion, you'll be blown away by the sound. So a lot of what I want to get into is would probably be the sounds. But in this day and age where we're getting the new 4K versions of movies, we're get, which really shows some restoration, takes a lot to restore a 4K from what I understand because – you have, not only do you have to bring it into 4K, but if it's an older movie and the special effects weren't as good, then you're going to have issues. This Star Wars version, the one that I'm talking about today, it's the latest Star Wars that was just re-released. The newest Blu-ray, multi-screen edition, Star Wars A New Hope. You know, the new cover art, purple. Each episode got its own, you know, monochromatic cover. A New Hope got purple. The funny part about this is when it came out or when it was announced to be released, everybody was asking, is there anything extra on it? Well, quick answer, no, there's nothing extra on this. And here's the funny part. When I started to do some, to watch the movies for this podcast, the first disc I put in was my Star Wars disc from The Complete Saga. So I have the box set from 2011, the complete saga, which at the time is only one through six. That was complete at the time. Now that's not a complete saga. The A New Hope disc was in my my Blu-ray player. I hit eject. I pulled that disc out, put it away. That's the proper thing to do. Don't leave it sitting on the counter. I removed the cellophane from the new A New Hope. I open the box. I pull out the Blu-ray. I put it on the tra- in the tray, I hit close, I go into the theater, and what does it say on my screen? Do you want to continue from where you left off? Do you want to resume? Whatever. Click resume. This is a brand new Blu-ray. It thinks it's the Blu-ray from the complete saga. To the point that when I left, <laughs> when I when I was watching the complete saga, I was flipping through the audio commentary. And I had shut the whole thing down listening to the audio commentary. Well, this new disc started up with the audio commentary right where I shut it down. So this, it, it is literally an exact copy. All they did was take what they were putting in the complete saga, repackaged everything and shipped it out to you. And I bought it. Um, I'm considering it my vote that I love Star Wars, but it really, you, you get, you actually get less because with the complete saga, if you already have that, you get all of that. You get all the movies and you get three additional discs with extras on that. But this one, all it comes with is the movie and the two audio tracks. And that's it. Nothing extra. It's the exact same picture, the 1080p high definition widescreen and the, the 2.35 to 1 ratio. And the exact same sound, which is the 6.1 DTS Master Audio, they, they're identical to the, to those two discs. So getting into the movie, in one word to me, powerful. Whenever I hear this opening score, I'm blown away.
so that opening score, I wouldn't consider it reference material. I wouldn't consider it like, so when I want to show something off, I don't, I don't bring people into my theater and play the opening score, but it's so iconic. It's so much fun to listen to. I get chills when it, when it comes on and you're, you're sitting down and you've got your, you know, your, your little bag of popcorn, your soda, and you're just like, all right, I'm going back to 1977. And you hear that, that opening theme. I remember when Phantom Menace came out and we were in the theater for the midnight showing and that opening score, it just, the whole theater like erupts. Everybody starts clapping. It was, it was amazing. And it's that score. It's the John Williams score that it just goes right through you. And I, I actually have my wife down to, to listen to it with me because I don't know orchestra. She was in the orchestra and I'm like, what, what, what are those over there? What are those over there? And she's like, it's those trumpets. She thinks they're trumpets. I, I got to go with her, but I thought they were trumpets too, but those trumpets that open it, they go right through you. I mean, it is at reference level. It is amazing. It's borderline painful, but I love it. And, and then as the score goes on, it's like what it first comes at you as a big blast and you just, the room is just filled with sound. But then as it quiets down the score and even throughout the movie, the sounds of the different instruments are at different parts of the room. And it's so much fun to go through and listen to. And like I said last week, it's like sometimes I'll sit there and listen to a movie with my eyes closed and you'll hear and it's like if you close your eyes and you're not concentrating on on the actors and what's going on on the screen or any kind of special effects, you start to notice that it's like, hey, wait a minute, there's some horns over here or there's cellos over here or the the bass is boom, boom, whatever. You know, I'm not going to do the bass for you. But obviously, John Williams is a legend and this movie is one of the reasons why which everybody knows getting into that opening scene after that, you have the crawl, the star Wars text crawl, you have probably one of the most iconic openings in movie history. And that is an Imperial cruiser flying over your head. And in the theater now, it's like, it looks beautiful in this 1080p transfer. And I'll probably be saying this a lot today i can't wait for 4k because it does look beautiful in 1080p you have the black of space and then the white cruiser coming over and then the sound it comes from the back of the room and it rumbles over your head which yeah i know in space there's no sound but for the effect of the movie it really brings you right into the movie um so the sound in this and the image of a imperial destroyer flying over your head and then you have leia's ship being brought up into the star destroyer with that image and that sound you are that ship is being sucked into the star destroyer you are being sucked into this universe that is how lucas brought you in for the first time in 1977 you weren't on earth anymore you weren't in kansas you were here you were in the middle of space in the middle of this story and it was all of that sound and picture that really really sucked you in and then of course we get we go inside the ships and we see the rebel soldiers lining up for what is about to be the you know the invasion or you know, they're going to board the ship 
And in this, the 1080p, it's having grown up watching this on a, like I said, a 20 inch TV on HBO, the way that R2 looks, the way that C3PO looks, you could see the grain or the, the grain in the metal of, in the top of R2. You could see the, the wear and tear on both droids. You can make out what kind of cloth the rebels are wearing. When Vader comes through, you see on Vader, you see the detail in his mask and you see how he's not clean. He's not pristine. He's, you know, he's been in battles. He's dirty. Just the detail that you have in this, that when, when this goes to 4K, it, I think it's, it's, it's going to be amazing. But the 1080p, there's so much detail there. The first time you see Leia in that background in, She's wearing all white, but the background is like very dark. So you have that contrast there that on the big screen, it's just that what an introduction to Princess Leia. And I think that contrast really, really plays well on the big screen right now in my in the theater. When we jump to Tatooine and the droids, the the screen to me, this is it. It's so bright. It looks grainy. And I know it's sand and sand has grains in it, but I mean, everything is just, it, I don't know why for me, it didn't feel like that's the, one of the weaknesses in this disc in that it feels like it felt a little bit too grainy to me, maybe because it was so bright. I'm not really sure, but that one there, I'm hoping in a 4k that'll smooth some things out. The other part that I thought was a little bit lacking was say in the, uh, what is it? The sand crawler. When you see the um, R2 and 3PO inside the Jawas Sandcrawler, and it's very, very dark in there. Um, it's, I'm hoping that in a future 4K release that maybe some of that will get, the background will get fleshed out. I still don't mind it now. I love the scene. It's what you can see is pretty crisp, looks really good. Uh, you have great background noises in there. A lot of fun to listen to. You just, I mean, the jittering going on. It feels like the screen's shaking a little bit. The room, you hear the noise. It's, that is a lot of fun. Little subtle, subtleties like that, I, I always think are, are kind of fun. They're not, not just the big ones like a Star Destroyer flying over your head, but those subtle little things, the, uh, atmospheric, the sounds that can create ambience. So another scene that has always been pretty iconic to me, which is probably to most people like, why would you consider that iconic? The first time we meet Luke has been iconic to me because when I was a kid, I always thought Luke was wearing all white. If I wanted to dress up as Luke Skywalker, all I needed was a white gi and and the belt that the a Star Wars belt that you could make with like a belt and some boxes and electrical tape. You make a makeshift lightsaber to hang off the side and hey, in the eighties with that haircut, you were, you were Luke Skywalker. But I don't know if it was the Laserdisc version because each version, the color gets better and more accurate. But Luke isn't wearing a white gi. He's wearing maybe a white gi top that you can now see the filth on it from working well in a desert. But his bottoms are almost like a muted pea soup color. The colors that are brought out of this, which I think, again, getting to the 4K is going to be amazing <laughs> if we get it, hopefully next year. That's I'm really looking for. Uh, I got to stop saying how much I'm looking forward to the 4K on this, but probably my favorite scene in all of 
movies is this scene here. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? Your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized day. Luke lighting the lightsaber for the first time is my favorite scene in all of movies, hands down. If somebody asks me what's your favorite scene, the first thing that pops in my head is that noise of the lightsaber lighting for the first time. Even as a little kid watching it on a little TV, you just, you knew that sound. And now seeing it with this surround mix and how they've restored the light, each of the lightsabers in these movies, it's so crisp. The sound is so, I mean, it's, it is iconic and getting to the sound that Lucas did. It's like none of the sounds in these movies were allowed to be pre-existing, I guess is the best way. They had to make up all of these sounds, but they had to be made out of stuff that did exist on Earth. He didn't want things to sound mechanical. He wanted them to sound organic, that they could come from Earth, something familiar to us, but yet he still wanted them to be unique. So all of the sounds from R2 to the laser blasts to the lightsabers lighting up to the TIE fighters and X-wings flying. Everything was brand new, never heard before. And they used mixtures of other sounds to create these sounds. So that lightsaber lighting up is it just, I mean, it always just strikes awe in me when I hear it. So another fun scene that I've always had fun with and this is one from Star Wars that I used to play a lot as a uh, as a demo piece was the scene inside the trash compactor. The echoes that played when they were in there, I always thought was a lot of fun, especially in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s playing that if you had like a five channel system, like a ProLogic system and to get that echo in your room, that was that was pretty unique. It's, you know, cause if you're sitting at home, you're used to watching stuff through your TV through one speaker and to get an echo like that. I always use that scene. I loved that scene and people would come over and I would always be like, Oh, listen to this. And they're like, Oh, that's so cool. Um, that's the, and that's the stuff to me. That's always so much fun. Another good echo scene from the movie is when Luke and Leia have to swing across when the bridge goes out and when they start talking to each other there waiting you know he's trying to get his grappling hook out she's fighting off the stormtroopers from different places but they talk and every time they talk the echo the reverberation was always a lot of fun in a theater and it's like those ones nowadays i think they're not as big a deal because it's it's more commonplace for people to have a even a sound bar will will duplicate it fairly well but I know back in the 80s and 90s that if you could duplicate that, that was that was a lot of fun to listen to. And it felt very impressive. And, and a lot of the movies back then, too, didn't 
I feel didn't utilize sound the way Star Wars did. It was still, even though, say I had a 5.1 system in 1990, that's 12 years, 13 years after Star Wars. It's not that movies hadn't utilized it as much, but it wasn't as prevalent and people weren't utilizing it in the home because even on a VHS, hi-fi VHS player, which was had some decent sound to it, people weren't utilizing it. So I don't think movies were it wasn't as big of a feature to the movies in the home anyways another scene that really shows off the picture that i really enjoy i just picked up on probably in the last few years um i can't remember what it was what i had upgraded but i had upgraded something to the point that maybe it was my last projector but i upgraded something to the point that i was getting even better i was getting a better picture one of the things that i noticed was when we get to the Death Star and Luke and Han and and Leia are running around the Death Star, if you look at the floor, the floor is made of mats. And I hadn't no I had never noticed that before, but it's fun to look at now. If you look at their feet, every time they take a step, you could see that glossy black floor. You can see the floor flex like a like a gym mat. You know, like the, what, two-inch gym mats or whatever, but it's a, a glossy black floor that with every step, you can see that their foot goes into the floor just a little bit. The floor flexes under their steps. And it, it got me to wondering, like, what, what, why would they do that? Why would Lucas have a mat floor? And the only thing I can imagine is they put a mat down so that it dampens the sound of their footsteps and then they go in post-production and they put the clickety-clack of them walking. Because if you listen, you hear them walking on the floor and it sounds like heels, you know, clickety-clacking on a hard floor. But your eyes, if you look at it without the sound, it just looks like they're walking on a nice soft mat. So it's it's kind of funny that the sound of the clickety-clack makes you think the floor is hard, but it's not. And I didn't even notice that until probably a few years ago. I guess this next one you could put under special features, even though it's still a part of the movie. So this being the latest Blu-ray, it is the special edition, which has all the extra scenes that, well, created quite a debate amongst the Star Wars fans. I personally don't mind it. I respect Lucas too much to to be upset about it. Um, some of the scenes, they're just, he just added some stuff to it. You know, the scene doesn't change. He just puts stuff in, in the background, which I think some of them looks great. It's, you know, it adds more atmosphere, add more, adds more ambience to the scenes, whatever. Um, but I like the higher quality. It's, I would rather watch the movie in the best quality that I can see it. Do I wish they'd do a high quality version of the original Star Wars where it just said, it doesn't even say a new hope. It just says Star Wars and then goes into the crawl. That would be the, I'd buy that too. I, I want both. I only want both so that I can compare them and I can enjoy both of them, but I don't, I wouldn't even say which one. Well, I guess the first one would be my favorite because that's what I experienced, but I do like the, the new version. And one of the things that comes with the new version is the Darth Vader Obi-Wan lightsaber battle. That battle has been redone. Lucas sped it up. In the original, 
they looked like two old men fighting because they couldn't move fast enough, not because of the actors, but because of the special effects to go back in and render those lightsabers after the fact. They didn't have the technology to keep up with if they moved too fast in the new restored version. They sped that scene up to make it look like the movements were quicker. I think it looks great. I, I really enjoy it. And it's the the atmosphere. And they go from that scene to like you hear the score, you hear them battling, you hear the lightsabers, you know, not clanking together, but you hear that noise. And then they go right from there to I, I think it's Han Solo and Chewie and the the ambience in the room changes right away because all of a sudden you go to this quiet scene in a hallway and it, when they go back to it, you get back to that score and that feeling, that ominous feeling in that battle. And to me, stuff like that is just, just a lot of fun. Another fun demo scene from this movie is when Han and Luke have to shoot down the TIE fighters after they escape the Death Star. The way that the sound goes around the room and the way they made those TIE fighters, like they'll be sweeping behind you as you're looking at the screen. I mean, it just felt, you just felt like you were in the Millennium Falcon. It's so much fun to listen to. The base when they destroy a TIE fighter. And it's funny how always the last TIE fighter that you shoot in a scene is like the loudest base. It's just such a fun scene. I guess the last scene I'll talk about is the last scene, the destroying of the Death Star. In this latest edition, it looks awesome. The black of space, the ships. There's so much going on here with the surround sounds, with the bass, the way the sound moves around the room. But again, you can file this under an extra because Lucas redid the explosion of the Death Star. The Death Star in the original, the explosion didn't look as dramatic. It didn't have the big ring that came came out from it. And then the sound from that didn't go down the left side of your room like it does now. It's the scene is just way more impactful when that Death Star explodes and you you see that ring come out. And as it looks like it looks like it's going to go down the left side of your room and then the sound actually does go down the left side of your room and you feel it feels like that bass is coming over you. It's just a great way to wrap up the movie. Um, the only other thing, the colors at the end when they get their medals, it's just, it looks beautiful. And again, you know, since we're getting to the end here of this part, um, <laughs> the last time I'll mention, this is all going to look so good in 4K when they restore it, because I know Lucas is, he's not going to do anything, you know, halfway. He's going to restore it and make He's going to pull out all those colors in the, with the dynamic range and the new color. It's, I'm just really, really looking forward to it. And that last scene, it's, it, it looks great as it is. I can't imagine what it's going to look like in future, uh, editions. All right. Let's wrap up with extras. And with this disc, there aren't too many. Actually, there's quite a bit if you go by minutes of content because it comes with two audio commentaries so you have to watch the movie two more times after the initial viewing so i guess yeah you could say there's four more hours of additional content here 
but usually there's a little bit more in extras where we get into some outtakes, maybe a trailer. But this one just comes with two audio commentaries. Uh, the first one is with George Lucas, writer-director, as if you didn't know. Uh, ben Burt, sound designer. Carrie Fisher. And Dennis Murin, effects director of photography. So listening through on, on that audio commentary... I could listen to George Lucas and have listened to George Lucas many times. I could listen to him all day. There were a few notable things in there, like George Lucas talking about inventing hyperspace. Because back in the 70s, there was there was no such thing as hyperspace. And he has a pretty interesting story on how they were so used to it. Because when they were making the movie, they were like, okay, we're going to do hyperspace and we're going to do this. And they invented, and he was just trying to come up with a way to get from point A to point B. And, and how do you do it quickly to move the movie along? So we invented hyperspace, but then he, you know, it became a matter of fact thing during the production that when he saw it in the theaters, he realized like how everybody in the theater was like, wow, hyperspace. And he was like, oh yeah, this is a cool thing. I forgot everybody, nobody knows what this is. Uh, that was a pretty cool one. And then along the lines of hyperspace, he also talked about parsecs and how parsecs are about distance and not speed. And what I found interesting about that story, especially nowadays, he recorded this. I don't know when, a long time ago, because this Blu-ray came out, well, the complete saga came out in 2011. So this was recorded before 2011. The movie Solo, one of the interesting points of the story was how Han Solo and Chewie make the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, or 13 parsecs, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> So I thought it was pretty interesting how Lucas had a whole backstory to that long before the movie Solo was even coming out. In this one, Carrie Fisher Limited, she talks more about what it was like coming up and as an actor in being in this world and and just how new everything was. Ben Burt uh, for sound. One of the interesting stories was how he came up with Darth Vader's voice. And according to the script, Vader was supposed to be like on life support. So he had different versions of how Vader would sound and with the breathing. And he had, I think he said in one version, it was like he was like a walking emergency room. It was a, a lot of noises and beeps and stuff. And they, you know, they simplified it down to what we know now. But, you know, I, I what I what I got from that, what I thought was pretty cool is like, they're reading in the script about this stuff that nowadays we take for granted. And, but imagine reading that for the first time in 19, in the seventies and being like, what? Like, <laughs> it just, it, 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 you know, getting back to George Lucas talking about inventing hyperspace. Dennis Muren was really cool too, because as you're watching the movie, he's, he'll pop in and tell you about a scene that how they shot it, how they shot those desert scenes, how they shot those space scenes. Um, one of the things I really liked was how they used the models to create the illusion of, of size and scale. And like, it'd be a little, well, a tiny model, but they would use even a smaller model. Like when the Millennium Falcon was coming into the Death Star the first time. And he's like, the, I think that he said the model for the Death Star was only a few inches, you know, you know, big. 
but then they put a tiny Millennium Falcon in front of it, and it gives that illusion of this giant space station. And in real life, it's just this little tiny globe, a little ball that you could hold in your hand. And then one last thing on this track was also how Lucas, talking about adding the Jabba the Hutt scene, just listening to him talk about why he wanted to add it, how long he'd wanted that in there, and the reasons he took it out in the first place. Uh, he wasn't sure this was ever going to be anything other than just this movie, so he felt it didn't make sense to have it in the movie because that whole Jabba the Hutt scene with Han Solo really just plays to the next movies. Well, if there's never going to be a next movie, it doesn't make sense to have that in there. And then once they decided that they were going to go on and make Empire and then Jedi, he really wanted to get that in there. And then once they started making all of the the later movies and coming out with these special editions, he really, really want, and that's pretty much what he says, he really wanted to get those in there, which I thought was really good. I know a lot of people don't like this stuff, but it is his piece of art and it's what he wanted. And I, for one, think you have to respect that. The next audio commentary I watched was from Archival Interviews, say that three times fast, with the cast and crew. There are so many in here. I'll try to get, let me try to get through them. So we have Kenny Baker, Ben Burt, Richard Chu, Anthony Daniels, Peter Diamond, John Dykstra, Richard Edland, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Stuart Freeborn, Alec Guinness, Mark Hamill, Paul Hirsch, Gary Kurtz, George Lucas, Peter Mayhew, Ralph McQuarrie, Dennis Murin, Norman Reynolds, Phil Tippett, and Robert Watts. This one here is a lot of fun for any Star Wars fan. Uh, if you haven't listened to this, you really should. It's, I'm not going to go through everybody because it, they jump back and forth in different scenes. You never know who you're going to get next. Um, there were a few in there. I, I can't remember who said it, but uh, I, I do remember laughing because like it said, it's, this is archival footage and so this was recorded at a point when the world didn't know who Mark Hamill was. And one of the people in the commentary says in his, he was trying to explain he was working with Mark Hamill and he goes, so I was working with Mark Hamill. He plays Luke Skywalker <laughs> and I'm sitting there listening like who hears this now and doesn't know that Mark Hamill played Luke Skywalker, but the actors like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Alec Guinness, anytime they were talking, they would be talking about what it was like on the set. Um, they all, actually all the actors, that's what they're talking about each other too. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. You just, I mean, it's, and it, you don't need to be in a theater to watch this. You can just sit down and, you know, I wish you could just get it. Maybe you can just get the audio of it and not have to watch the movie and just listen to it because it is, it is pretty interesting to listen to. Another one that, I thought was really interesting. Never thought about it this way. The concept of the force. They talked about how they invented the force. It's one of those things that we take for granted nowadays and everybody knows what the force is. It's part of pop culture. We just know what it is. But in 1970, nobody knew what the force was. So it, it was pretty cool hearing them talk about how they did that and everything. So, all right, that should do it for Star Wars. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait for next week. Next week, I'll be doing James Cameron's Terminator 2. Uh, James Cameron, another 
director producer that has revolutionized the movie going experience and in turn the home theater experience can't wait to delve into terminator 2 what did you think what did you think of the podcast what do you think of star wars uh let me know on twitter at brightside ht you can email me at the brightside chat at gmail.com uh, we are proud members of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Go to nerdylegion.com. You can check out a whole bunch of podcasts there, ranging from now home theater, comic books, wrestling, fantasy football. There's a lot of good stuff there. Pretty much something for everybody. But yeah, let me know what you thought of the podcast. Let me know some of your favorite scenes, whether it's in Star Wars or any, any other movie. I could talk about that in future podcasts as well. And I'd like to thank Justin from HighDefDiscNews.com. Uh, give him a follow if you're not already following him on Twitter at HighDefDiscNews, and that's spelled high H-I-G-H. That'll ensure you stay up to date on everything going on with all the discs that are coming out. Thanks for joining us this week and every week, hopefully moving forward. That'll be great. Also, a thank you to Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions for the music for this podcast. They do a great job. I'm really excited to have such quality music as part of my podcast, so thank you to Jeff. And that's it for this week, Home Theater Nerds, so let's go have some fun and push play. What did you think of that, huh? Audio's a little different now. Um, and, I mean, it's just way more engaging now, way more. I, it, I, I can't even believe I put that out. I'm just kidding. Um, and how about Justin too? Yeah. Justin started out with me, uh, and I had, he had reached out to me or I reached out to him on Twitter and we hooked up and, and we recorded, uh, you know, just to do those, you know, discs and stuff, but it ended up getting harder and harder to schedule everything week to week and then having to be able to bookend these things. And it, it kind of, it, we just weren't able to keep that up anymore. And I just needed to keep pumping out content as anybody knows. And, and he found out he tried to do a podcast on his own and it, it is, it's like, you, you're like, all right, I gotta, it's scheduling people and stuff like that. It's hard. Uh, so we just found it. I would have loved to have kept them going, but it, it was tough to just the scheduling purposes. And then, um, you know, COVID hit and it was, it got even more tougher and, uh, just, it, it was, you know, it's a shame, but it was fun having them on early on and we've been friends ever since, but, uh, but yeah, so that was it. That was the very first whole podcast, Brightside home theater podcast. And, uh, you know, ever since it's, you know, we, we developed Takeover Tuesday. We developed, we brought on, you know, John came here and then we brought Steve on and what a progression. And, uh, thank you to everybody out there for listening, subscribing, Patreon supporters. Uh, we're going to talk about all of this stuff later. Um, and, you know, 300 episodes. Uh, I know if you look at Aaron Braden are at probably what 1300 and stuff, but it's, it, it's big to me. Cause I know, I mean, just getting this community together and talking to all of you guys and it's, it's everything that we've always wanted to be able to chat and hang out and talk home theater and, uh, to be able to do this and have it to be so, to be so, become so interactive, um, very appreciative of you guys. Um, and it's you guys that are one, 
that made it happen. You know, I just, I mean, you guys were responsive enough to it. And I was like, all right, this is great. Let's keep it going. So thank you very much. Uh, this is where we came from. We started, uh, actually I'm looking right now on nerdy legion, nerdylegion.com. You can go there and see all the episodes. Actually, if you just click on, um, bright side home theater and they'll have every single podcast that we've ever done uh is there at nerdylegion.com and that'll be in the show notes um but yeah this came out november 1st 2019 it says there so there you go all right thank you everybody thanks for uh tuning in and uh catch us live at 5 5 p.m eastern time later today tuesday the what is it the 18th july 18th so we'll see you then and we'll be talking uh 300th episode so till then Thanks for push and play. Hey, Fred. This has been a Hey, Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.